The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Na, 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 come on! Man, just when you think things can't get worse for the Los Angeles Lakers, it does. It just continues to get more dysfunctional, more strange, more unacceptable. Unacceptable moves. Chaos is now fully engorged, the purple and gold, and I have to say, I feel a little bad. I feel a little bad for them. <sighs> so we get into that. We're going to dig all the way into what I feel is happening there. We talk a little bit about Kyle Kuzma, former Laker, by the way. They could use him. 6'10", how he's kind of developed into a legit player now in the Wizards land. And we also update you on what we talked about before, which is James Wiseman. And why the fuck isn't he back on the floor yet? Let's drop that beat. Oh man, every failing leader needs a scapegoat. Yep. And if you're really failing, you probably need a failsafe, a scapegoat, uh, in case that first scapegoat doesn't work. That's the that's like literally like a you know crash this glass, pull the lever in case of emergency. That's where we're at right now, and nobody's really talking about that. They're mostly talking about the scapegoats, right? Because that's what is designed to be, right? So that's where we're at right now with the Los Angeles Lakers. My guy, my guy, Rob Palenka, he's a wily one. He is real slippery. He is exactly who you could basically bet. Every single good-looking man in Los Angeles that looks like Rob Lowe would be like. Like an aspiring actor who moonlights as a waiter at some random high-end restaurant in the middle of Brentwood, California, just lies about some production deal that he's got working on with this, with, you know, some random, James Cameron liked it at Soho House, you know. That's where we're at with my guy, Rob Palenka. Just completely unqualified. We've talked about this many times. And somehow consistently employed based around what we know is his time with Kobe Bryant. And he just keeps going back to the hits, hiring his friends, 
and then throwing them under the bus when shit doesn't go right. That's just where we're at. Quintessential agent turned GM. Just that's what they do. They just will, they will sewer anyone to keep and preserve themselves. It's fucked up, honestly. And that is what's happening. And he's made, it's kind of sad because he's making it a little obvious. You know what I mean? When you've got my man who's not even plugged in, which we'll talk about a little later in this segment, which is Charles Barkley, when Chuck is like, yo, I think people are being scapegoated. He's using the word scapegoat. You're being, you have now stooped to a level of transparency of your little move making that is now beyond the pale. So... Let's just say this. Russell Westbrook and Frank Vogel are currently the Lakers' scapegoats. And they are, let's just make it plain, they are not the reason that the Lakers suck. Let me rephrase that. They are not the only reason that the Lakers suck. They're not even the major reasons that the Lakers suck. But they are who we're talking about. They are the scapegoats. So let's dig in. This season has been largely, the drama has largely been localized to a couple of teams. You've got Ben Simmons, what's happening with him. That's the big lead. That's the one story everyone wants to discuss all the time. But not too far behind that is the Los Angeles Lakers. We haven't checked in on them in a bit, so here's the latest. Let's say a lot's been going on. Russ is now currently being benched in late-game situations. Yeah, and it's been apparently coming for weeks. For weeks? You've been debating this for weeks? Vogel's butt, as per we thought might happen, is now in the, not just speculation that it's on the hot seat, we are actually seeing headlines that it's on the hot seat. That he is potentially got a very short rope. And that the only thing that kept him from being fired was a, decent win against the Jazz. If he would have ended up losing and that team would have ended up losing against the Jazz, apparently Vogel was going to be fired, which I'm not sure if I actually think is true. And now Braun is testy as fuck because he has to explain what's going on with the roster, what's going on with these late game benches and how he's got to dig into the mind of his teammate. He doesn't even know exactly what he's feeling. That teammate's taken off in the middle after the game has ended, doesn't even take a shower. He goes, Clay Thompson literally drives out in his uniform. I mean, and let's be honest, like we know how Russell Westbrook feels. We don't need to ask. He doesn't feel good. We know that. We know that if you have been an MVP in this league and you make $46 million a year and you've been a starter this entire time for 12 years or whatever it is, 13 years, and then you get in crunch time, sit your ass down, you're no longer contributing to a winning basketball team, and then the head coach says, because I I am putting the players on the floor that I think is going to win the game and that's not him, how else, what, I mean, do we need to ask really how he feels? It's not good. But more importantly than all of this is that the Lakers just continue to lose. They are a 500 team. But losing isn't uh, really an issue when you're the Detroit Pistons, right? We're not expecting them to do shit. They've never told us they were going to do shit, right? They're not saying, hey, we got Cade now. We're a contender, you know, which would be a lie. Uh, It's losing when you've given us expectations and you've set the expectations for 
winning, for contending, for not just contending, but for winning it all, right? That's what we were promised. We were promised that this move would take this team over the top back to at least some situation where they could contend. So when you lose and you've told us you were going to contend, we've got questions. Hey, um, this is not exactly working how you told us it would work. Please tell us how you plan to fix it. Please tell us, diagnose why it's not working, how you promised us it would work. That's why Penny Hardaway, his ass is like getting a lot of questions right now. Because he's got the top recruiting class. He's not winning. They promised us wins. And when we are promised wins, boy, and we don't get them, we got some questions. We knew already. Everyone, Joe Schmo sitting on the couch, knew Russ was a ball-dominant player who would probably have trouble integrating with LeBron and AD. But they said, no, no, we know more than you. Give us time. This is how this is how we're getting to the top. We promise you it'll be different than you think in your mind. We've got this. We knew Anthony Davis was soft. We knew Anthony Davis was gimpy. And they were like, no, no, we've got Kobe Bryant's trainer. Like, she take, took him to the, like, promised land up until the time he was basically dust. He was had 81 points. And we knew that this team needed a, a, an emotional leader like Alex Crusoe and that losing him was a problem. We knew this team was filled with veterans that were probably not going to do shit and made, like, the minimum. We knew these things, but they promised us we were wrong. They told us, they gaslit us into being wrong. So now we're checking in constantly. Hey, 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 what's up? And so now the folks in charge, when the mob comes out, they're like, what do we do? We got to... um we got to figure out a way to place the blame somewhere so that then if we get rid of those people or we bench those people or we make a change to those scapegoats, then I'll buy us some time. There's no move. There is no move happening. Let me just be very, very clear. This is, there's no end game. There's no winning end game to this. It's literally just to buy time from the mob entering the gate and like legitimately burning the place down. Like they're just trying to put up barriers to assuage the mob. That's what it is. The first, Russell Westbrook, bench him. That'll buy a, at least a month or two. At least, right? He's, by all metrics, been playing pretty bad. But like, he's been doing what he's told. When he played with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, which they've only played 17 games together on the floor, if you can imagine it, They've never played more than three games in a row together this season, which is kind of wild when you think about it. Took a long time to find that stat, by the way. Um, so they've not had much time to gel together and make it work, right? And when the AD plays, Russell Westbrook's averaging 28 points a game, like playing very well. He doesn't look himself, though, let's be honest. Like you look at the uh, the highlights or the lowlights, and it looks like um, – it looks like, have you ever seen Ant-Man? And Ant-Man goes inside, he gets a little, very small, and then he goes inside of uh, Yellow Jacket, the, the villain, and he, and he screws with his wiring, and he just short circuits. His arms do weird things. His head goes one, one way. That's Russ underneath the basket right now. Russ literally is having a seizure underneath shout out to Russ he's figuring a way his body controls all gone it's literally like the ant-man 
is inside of his body, which is a machine, and is messed up with the way that it functions because it looks real bad right now. He can't shoot a jumper that hits the rim. They all hit the top corner of the backboard. Like, you've seen so many shots where you're like, this is not even the realm of, like, possibilities that I've seen with Russ. But, like, he's got to figure it out. There's probably something wrong with him physically, like when he played on a torn quad and he didn't tell anyone for the Wizards. Something will come out because he doesn't look right, right? And we know that. But, like, to bench him in crunch time and lose anyway? Like, you emasculated him and humiliated him on a scale that is probably irreparable to the point where now he can just chill. Like, fuck this team. I've done everything you've asked. I didn't tell you I would fit. Like, you traded for me. And I'm doing everything I can to try to make this work. But, like, everybody knew it wasn't going to make it work. And so to, like, do this to Russ, to scapegoat Russ into being the number one, the only problem, is very wrong. Like, that's just plain immoral, right? Like, it's just, I can't find the words to describe how wrong it is to, like, trade for a guy, let him go back home, play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. None of them are healthy but Russ. We don't even know if Russ is healthy, but, like, he's the only one that's been available consistently. And let... And let him be the rat in the scurrying ship that you squash, who's literally the only thing that's been holding you up while your two stars haven't been healthy. But, like, that's wild. And then now the second scapegoat, Frank Vogel, who is apparently on a serious hot seat. Because, again, if it's not Russ and you bench him and you still lose, who's the next level up? Well, maybe we can fire Vogel. And then you get an interim coach, so you basically get the entire rest of the season to do nothing and be like, well, we got this interim coach. We're integrating him. We got to figure out who our next big get is. Like, is it Ty Lu? Like, maybe we reunite them. Promise. Listen, to mark my words. It's January 22nd, 21st. If this happens, and just read the headlines from now on. Like, after that, it's like, who will it be? Coaching search. Distract the mob with new information. And they will lose the thread, which is that this team fucking sucks. It's going to suck no matter what. The problem isn't Russ. It's the problem isn't Vogel. I mean, they're not great. But, like, that's not the problem. The problem is the other two aren't even around fully. Like, AD haven't seen him in months fully. The big three, like I said, played 17 games together. They played When they play together, they're 10-7. and seven. That's 60% winning percentage. That is a better winning percentage they had last year. They've never played more than three games together. They've had no chance to form some gelling or continuity. Like I said, Russ was averaging 28 and 8 since he went down 17, 8, and 7. So we don't know how good this team's going to be. We know it's not a contender, but we don't know if it's like a 6, 5, 4 seed. We have no idea. Do I think this is a championship squad? I mean, absolutely not. Everyone knows that it's not a championship squad. But if you're going to try in the middle, we'll call this like, this is the winter, right? Like, we're almost to spring where you start to figure out what plants you put into the ground, right? And what they're trying to do 
is pull the plants out of the ground and rip the seeds out before they they mature so that you don't even know what you have, right? And then they're going to try to put new seeds in and tell you you have to wait until next spring to figure out what you what you have. I'm sorry, you can't change horses in the middle of the stream. You have to reap what you sow. You have to sit in your shit if that's what you've made. You can't try to distract us with with scapegoats, try to put new seeds in and try to like tweak our minds. Not we don't even know what's what, what the real problems are cuz there's new problems, there's old problems. Right? You need to have this entire squad spend the entire year together, fully healthy, and then we hold you all accountable. Keep you all together, see what it is, let these three men who have been MVP caliber players gel together, make it work or not, before we can fully assess. Anything else is just fucked, really. And you can say, oh, well, we got to make moves because bronze window's closing. Braun is partially responsible for this as well. It was Braun's decision to bring in when he held meetings with every other superstar in the league, and he chose Russ. So if, if we close a window or a year passes, fuck it. Because you know what? If Braun didn't want to, like, wait and see what this was with Russ, he didn't have to choose him. He didn't have to take this overinflated contract that he knew wouldn't fit with him. But I'm not the only one saying this. Like I said, Charles Barkley also went off the other night. Let's listen. How big is that? But I have really you not, have I, you not heard that phrase yeah. before? Well, that I mean, well, normally, right? Oh, can I, I make that, my point? It's small. I'd love to pursue that first. I just want to say, I, I, you know, so I never root. I don't, because I don't care who wins. I mean, I just want the season to be over so we can go play golf and fish. All right, let's. Uh, but I root. I, the Lakers are such wussies. And I only say wussies because I can't say the word I want to no, say. I know. The way they have tried to throw Russell Westbrook and Frank Vogel under the bus is just really pissing me off. Right. And I got to tell you something. Oh, no. Hey, you know, we've got a, we've got a guest standing by. Uh, well, the and Lakers then... still suck when we get back from his interview. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> well, campaign. I don't know if you've caught all that, but uh, welcome to the Campaign. Not sure you caught it. Yes. Tell them. Put it, say it with your chest, Chuck. Tell them how you feel. The way they're throwing Russ and Frank Vogel under the bus is pissing me off. They're blaming him. The people, this is what he said later. The people up top who put that trash together are running and hiding like cowards. Saying, oh, it's Frank, it's Russ. You put them old geezers out there. Listen, the best game, best guy other than LeBron in the last month has been who? Stanley Johnson. A guy you brought in off the street. For y'all to bring a guy who was on the street and he becomes your second best player, whoever's running that trash out there, getting away with it. It's ridiculous, man. Yes, this is ridiculous. All that being said, here's the question not enough people are asking. What is the upside to all of this motion, all of this, this change? Getting rid of Russ, firing Frank, benching him, pissing everyone off that's already within the organization, like inside the roster. Nothing. They lost that game with Russ. Frank goes in, Frank goes out, same team. All this to me is just Rob Palinka, by the way of Kirk Rambis, trying to just do a lot of things. Move the cups, move the balls. 
And the truth is, benching Russ is not going to help. Firing Frank Vogel is not going to change a goddamn thing. Vintage Phil Jackson could not save his team. My man, not even the ghost of Red Auerbach is going to save this fucking season. This season is cooked regardless. So all you need to figure out to do is like, how do we just keep the peace here? Like, how do we keep everyone happy so you don't have, like, LeBron James basically going off on the media and Russell Westbrook leaving the building before he can even get out the shower or in the shower? Like, just ride out the storm, folks. Like, wait for Anthony Davis to sometime get healthy. Like, wait. Hope that Braun stays healthy. Like, make this locker room healthy. Go to the movies together. Like, do something. Have, like, a bowling night. You might just, like, hope you get lucky. Maybe you run into the Jazz. Like, maybe you're like Memphis last year. You get into the play-in. You're a 10 seed. You win a couple of games. You play the Jazz in the first round. I mean, like I said, you never know what kind of luck you could run into. Because if you blow this up now, I just don't, I just don't think this can be fixed if you, if you switch it again. You don't have a time machine. This thing... This is like that part in the chess game where the only thing you can do is just knock your king over. And in, in life, you can't do that, right? You can't just blow the whole team up in the middle of the season and start again. This is what Russ says. He blew off the post-game pressure, as you might imagine. Let Braun take the flack. I don't blame him. But he did come out and say this the next day. I'm committed to making this work. Ultimately, you have to be okay when shit doesn't go well, and I'm okay. I've done everything that's been asked of me here. I'll continue to do so, and I'll ride this out as long as we can towards our ultimate goal, and that's to win a championship. We obviously haven't been fully healthy, but I'm committed to making this work. The communication is there with everybody in the organization to make this work, to make this team the way we want it to be in the future. I've accepted everything that has been asked of me and tried to do it to the best of my ability. I am not the ultimate decision maker of whether it's working or whether it's not working. I'm okay sacrificing some of the things that I've been able to do in this game to win because that's the most important part of this game. I've done everything they've asked me to do at this point. Pause. Do not fucking scapegoat me. That's what he's saying right there. Do not let these fucking idiots try to put the blame on me. I do everything they tell me to do, and I'm the only one in this building that's been healthy. (laughs) How do you not love Russ? Even a broken Russ is tremendous. You know who I am. You know who you got. You can't try to change the stripes on a fucking snow leopard, which is dots, try to make him a tiger. Like, you can't do that. And, like, listen, you knew you were supposed to turn it into a tiger when you got here. Bitch! Come on now. When when asked why he benched Russ, Vogel said he was looking to put players out there that gave him the best chance of winning. When Russ was asked about his reaction to it, uh, <laughs> he said... Yeah, I was surprised. I was disappointed I didn't go back in, but I'm more disappointed that we lost the game. I want to be on the floor to help my teammates and be able to help our team to win in games like that, but that was a decision that was made. Whatever is asked of me, I will do it to the best of my ability. That is all I've been trying to do since I've gotten here. (sighs) I hate the Lakers so much. 
but there is just something inside of me that roots for a $46 million paid underdog, right? Like, I don't want them to win, but I don't want them to do rust dirty like this. I know Frank Vogel is mediocre, but I don't want them to do him like this. What I want is not for the Lakers to win a championship. I want them to go down in flames, but I want real accountability. And I want it to start with that slimy little Rob Lowe looking motherfucker. And I want I want my man Chuck to go after him on TNT over and over and over and over until the masses wake up and they realize who is really to blame. My position get complex and want to come places with star girls and they end up on them front pages. I'm quiet with it, I just ride with it. Moment I stop having fun with it, I'll be done with it. I'm the only one that's putting shots up and like a potluck, you need to come with it. I'm the only one putting shots up like a potluck. We come with it. My man Kyle Kuzma putting shots up. Goodness gracious. Speaking of a man who should be a Laker right now, speaking of a man who'd be a perfect piece to help the Lakers right now, it's about time that we put a little love, sprinkle a little adoration, a little a little complimentation to my man Kuz. Kuz, Kuz. Like you forget how good Kuz is and you forget how tall he is. Because of how oversized his sweaters are, don't you? Like, <laughs> he Kuz looks like the the youngest brother of four, who's like ten and wears his seventeen year old brother's sweaters to like the party, and you're like, Whoop. tries to like get in. You're like Kuz, what are you doing? Walking into the tunnel with a sweater that's like four inches longer than your hands. I don't even know how a sweater can be made that big, knowing that Kuz is six ten. Kuz is six ten. He plays like he's 6'6", plays like he's 6'8". But man, this guy is big. He's got decent hops, and he doesn't use his length nearly as much as he should. But when he does, I tell you what, it is tremendous. He is now only the third most dunking player on a very non-dunking Wizards team. So when he put a... When he put his nuts on Joel Embiid's face, it was a shock to me, I would say. And then he celebrated after? Color me tickled. Coos? Coos, I didn't know you had it in you. Coos. There was a reason for it, turns out. Goes back to Kuzma's rookie year. He explained the details in his post-game presser. Let's listen. My rookie year, I tried to dunk on him, and uh, it didn't go so well. And, uh, you know, he came up to me after I told him that, but he told me if I did that again, he'll punch me in the face. So, um, nah, I owed him for sure. He said, nah, no, Joel Embiid definitely told him he would punch him in the face if he tried to dunk on him. And I, I keep waiting for Kuz to flip the switch and be this, like, elite scorer. But that would require Kuz to be consistently aggressive, and I just don't, Kuz is a sweet boy. He doesn't seem like an aggressive guy to me on or off the floor. But this hammer dunk, this gave me some hope. And he is killing right now. I tell you what, he is balling all phases of the game. In the last 10 games, Kyle Kuzma, my man Kyle Kuzma, who was a joke 
on the LA Lakers. He came out, said some things about what he wanted to accomplish in a new team, and now he is doing it. 24 points, 12 rebounds, one block, and three and a half assists on average in the last 10 games. Those are all-star numbers. That is a tremendous... He has been a hero. For anybody who is a Washington Wizards fan, God bless you. So you know what Kyle Kuzma is right now in the stretch. He has hit clutch shot after clutch shot. He was in the D back at home against the Detroit Pistons, which we don't talk about the fact that you had to have a game winner against the Detroit Pistons, but he did. He came through, got the dub, hit the game winner. And everybody's like, Kuz, Kuz, fix our drinking water, Kuz. (laughs) This man's from Flint. Uh, But man, I tell you what, he has become almost more important late game situations than even Brad Beal because Brad Beal gets so much attention, right? So let's just soak it in for Kuz. Like, let's just give Kuz, I get a lot of hate about how many negative things I say, but like, Kuz is, has a special place in my heart. Even when he shoots air balls, like you just kind of love him. And he told the world, I can have a bigger role. And we all laughed. We were like, Kuz, no, you can't. Like, just get your eight rebounds and your, like, 13 points and, like, your one assist or two assists. Like, no. Like, he is that. Even though he's a little bit of a chucklehead, like, he is actually, who wouldn't want a 6'10 guy who's putting up 24, 12, 1, and 3.5? I don't know a team that can't use a guy like that. A perimeter scorer on the wing at 6'10, he's damn near 7 feet tall. He is maybe one of the more underrated role players that could be plugged and played. That's probably one of Tommy Shepard's greatest assets that he acquired in that Russell Westbrook trade. I bet you could get a couple of firsts for Kuz if you traded with, like, the Portland Trailblazers. They might be in 2028, 2029, because we don't have a lot. But I tell you what, I bet you Joe Cronin would try to swing for some Kyle Kuzma. So let's look for this year and next year to be Kyle Kuzma's breakout year. So, after a very sweet, full segment of love and adoration, admiration and positivity, pushing P as they call it, I'm going to be pushing some N right now, and it's some, or some S. Pushing some S, skepticism, we got some truth bombs coming, uh, and I'm going to be the bad guy here. So last week, finally, we detailed the strange news swirling around James Wiseman, who has been, we'll just say, not living up to the expectations of being the number two pick two years ago in the draft when LaMelo Ball was taken after him. Right. And recall that we talked about how he had a secret surgery in December, a secret one that the team did not disclose. And literally, Anthony Slater had to be Inspector Gadget. And also, what was her name? A murder she wrote. He had to go Angela Lansbury, had to go one part Angela Lansbury, one part Inspector Gadget to find out that James Wiseman, the number two overall pick by the Golden State Warriors, had another setback and another quote-unquote cleanup injury that they did not disclose. 
and he had still not been cleared for contact, even though all year they said he would be ready in the offseason, he would be ready for training camp. It is now 40-something games in. He is nowhere to be found. We have not seen him at all. And so now, a week or two later, starting to bubble up in Warriors media. They're starting to be like, hey, this, uh, I'm concerned. Everyone in Warriors media to Steve Kerr is now really worried. Our guy, Sam Esfandiari from the Light Years podcast, just put out a tweet today, a tweet storm today, to address this issue so you know this is about to become a thing. This is what he said. Warriors are going to be a frustrating 500 team until Draymond returns, but the real story is about what's up with Wiseman, though. The entire situation has not smelt right since he'll be back by camp and then just hiding the second procedure? Quote, unquote, they did not disclose it. Slater had to dig for it. Yep. Obviously, I feel for Wiseman, setbacks suck, and that's out of his control. But what is in the team's control is the amount of bigs they carry on a roster. And if a big you were counting on to at minimum play second unit minutes has no timeline and you're entering game 47, I mean, dot, dot, dot. Obviously, I feel for Wiseman. (laughs) And Steve's frustration here says it too. But whatever now, Draymond has a herniated disc and your centers are Loon and Otto Porter? Yeah, that's an issue. Want to know why that's going to blow up? Even Steve Kerr has to throw his hands up and he even calls himself the boy who cried wolf. Here's how he addressed the situation. Where are we with James now in terms of his progress getting back to the court? Anything new? Yeah, I, I, you know, um, see, that doesn't look good. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we haven't had a practice now in, in, in about a week. Um, we won't have a practice this week because uh, we got a game tomorrow and a day off the following day. So, um, I wish I had something to report. Um, and I know this whole process has been, um, you know, frustrating for James above all, but uh, also for you guys because you're looking for answers, and and for me because, uh, um, you know, I've told you three different times I thought he was going to have contact the next week, and then each time it was pushed back, and so um, this has just not been an easy one to figure out, and and um, so we're still hopeful that you know he's going to be uh, cleared for contact soon, but um, there hasn't been. Uh, an opportunity for that to happen uh, this week. Steve, just, just to follow up on James, it, it's you, you mentioned it's a hard one to figure out, but it's also a matter of practice time, right? I mean, you made that point yeah. and there isn't a lot of practice time right now. It's not as if he's had some kind of a setback or something. I want no, to make sure. But we- I, I, the point I was making is that over the, over the last month, I'm well aware that you guys have asked and uh, several times I've said, yeah, we're hoping that he's going to, uh, have contact next week. And then he didn't for one reason or another. And he had, you know, swelling in his knee and then he had the procedure to flush the, uh, the swelling out. And then, you know, there, so there's just been sort of this, you know, extended uh, time where he's been out. That's been uh, again, most frustrating for him. Um, so it's um, you know, that it, the beat goes on. We're, we're still very hopeful that uh, this is all going to happen that he's going to be out there soon, um, you know, in context, circumstances and practice. And, uh, but I'm at this point, I'm also, you know, aware of 
I'm the boy who cried wolf a little bit. So I just, when it happens, it happens and we'll let you know. Oh, yep. Oh, my God. Guess what? The Warriors might be in trouble if Dre is out for any length of time. This team is 4-7 and seven without Draymond and 28-6 and six when he plays. So if his lower back issues become a real thing, which apparently disc problems can be a massive deal, and they keep him out for an extended problem, uh, extended period, excuse me. Oh boy. They cannot afford to be patient with Wiseman anymore. And that has to mean if you're me, if you're my guy, Bob Myers at the trade deadline, you have to be thinking maybe we need to be swinging for someone like a Serge Ibaka or, yeah, I know. It's not great. Or a Christian Wood. Maybe you try to get a Christian Wood at the deadline if if you're the Warriors and you want to remain favorites in the West. But I repeat, this is not good. I repeat, this is really bad. And it is and continues to be a developing situation. More to come. That is all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Monday with a new episode. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you listening to all of my bullshit uh, every single episode, uh, every single day. And that is all that I have to say is just thank you. So follow us on social at this teat check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. Also, Twitter's back, folks. Trista underscore Crick. Twitter is back. We got it back. And fuck the scammers. We'll, we'll see you Monday, folks. Thank you again. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.